Hello and welcome to ICIT Fellow Insights. My name is Param Eftakari, a senior fellow here at ICIT. I'm joined today by Rick Kacha, Chief Marketing Officer from Exabeam and an ICIT Fellow. Rick, it's good to talk with you today. Param, I'm happy to be speaking with you as well. Thank you. Absolutely. So we're going to be talking about user behavior analytics today. And, and Rick, I think to start with, since this is still a relatively new solution for many in the IT community and in the business community at large, can you describe for the listener what UBA is and, and more importantly, why is this so uh, critical in today's detect and response culture? Yeah, sure thing. So um, many of the attacks, the breaches and the hack attacks that we've seen in the past couple of years um, are different than what came before. And they're different in that they're primarily insider-based, whether that's a malicious insider or a compromised insider. And they're different in that they use credentials. So, you know, you're a hacker who somehow steals valid credentials and you impersonate um, an employee or a contractor on the network. Um, what we're finding is in many cases, uh, existing technology is unable to detect um, those kinds of attacks. So user behavior analytics is um, a set of techniques embodied in a set of products that are designed to detect when users, employees or contractors, are doing something unusual on the network, uh, unusual and risky. And um, so that's kind of why it's there. And it's important because of the number of attacks that have happened that just have been not detected. Um, so essentially the way it works is um, a system, a UBA system will pull in all the activity data that an organization tends to already be collecting within their log management system. So Splunk or ArcSight or something like that. So it pulls in the data and then it essentially stitches the data together into sessions that say uh, for each employee or contractor for every day from the time they logged in to the time they logged out, here's what this person did. Here's when they changed accounts. Here's when maybe they switched devices um, and they create sessions. Then um, we use machine learning to basically figure out a baseline of normal behavior for each user based on those sessions. And probably the, the best example that people are probably familiar with is, you know, your Visa card, um, where Visa or MasterCard look at your normal spending patterns. And, you know, everyone is probably familiar the first time they've gone to a new country and tried to buy something. And there's been a hold on the transaction because Visa thinks, uh, hey, you've never been to the Ukraine before and now you're buying a big screen TV for some reason there, um, let's put a hold on it because that's unusual for you. So the UBAs do that same kind of thing for employees or contractors to see when they start doing unusual things. And they build these baselines and they look at activity as people start doing whatever they do as part of their jobs. And when someone starts to do something that is unusual for them and also risky relative to their baseline, then the UBA system starts adding elevated risk scores um, to those activities. And when those risk scores reach some threshold, the system says, hey, security analyst, you should take a look at this guy. He's doing something that looks kind of funny and looks also pretty risky. Well, that's great. And, and, and you know, that it's a very, uh, in a way, it's a, uh, especially given the visa analogy used, it's a very um, elegant yet powerful application of technology and, and machine learning and, and analytics. You know, how quickly are markets responding to UBA and are there any sectors that may be further along in adopting this technology than others? Yeah, the market is growing uh, very quickly. It's growing faster than people expected. So I think an interesting proof point for that, <coughs> excuse me, is uh, Gartner, 
uh, Gartner, the Gartner analyst who covers this market put a report out a few months back and she said, you know, this thing has grown much faster than we, 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 uh, uh expected when we, when we reported on the market last year. Um, so they expect it to basically continue doubling in size, uh, for the next three or four years. So it's growing very quickly. Um, so, you know, the, one of the big enabling factors is, um, uh, markets that have a lot of sensitive data and users with kind of um, changing roles or complexity around identity. So that may be in the federal government, it may be employees who have different, um, you know, someone is a contractor and also uh, potentially in the military, or they may be on reserve and they're a contractor to an agency and they're also a, a customer, a civilian customer. They might have multiple bits of identity, and when you combine them, um, that may be used to do something that's risky. In retail, it may be, hey, we've got lots of seasonal employees, and we want to, you know, make sure someone isn't doing something weird. Uh, banking might be the same thing for tellers. Healthcare, you have lots of um, uh, different types of uh, contractors and, and uh, seasonal employees, manufacturing, same kind of thing. So, in those industries where you have a lot of sensitive data and users with changing roles. Um, tend to be the ones where this grows uh, very quickly. Interesting, interesting. So with regards to something you mentioned earlier, um, obviously one of the biggest challenges facing security analysts is just sorting through the thousands or sometimes tens of thousands of threat indicators they're receiving from all these different tools. I can obviously see how UBA can help elevate some um, you know, false positive, yeah, I'm sorry, eliminate some of the false positives and really drive you towards uh, true uh, activity that, that the, the researcher should be looking into. Um, how does the UBA kind of integrate with some other technologies and how are you kind of helping uh, security analysts hone in on the right types of activity? Right. So I think the goal of a well-designed UBA system is to you know, dramatically reduce the noise from alerts and false positives. Um, and, you know, if you, if you roll back five or eight years when the SIM products and log management products, you know, ArcSight, QRadar, Splunk, when those um, were kind of on the rise, you know, they had a similar value prop, which was, hey, you've got lots and lots of noisemakers, you know, firewalls and so forth on the network. Let's collect that data. Let's analyze it and let's sift through it to find what you should pay attention to. And it was a very valuable value proposition. Um, the technologies, you know, are kind of built for a different sort of world and they added value in the day. Um, today, they're not so valuable. So we find that UBA uses some pretty new stuff, particularly around um, machine learning and advances in computing power and big data to, to really cut through the noise. So I'll give you an example. One Exabeam customer has about 12,000 employees. They have about 50,000 assets on the network. So those are, you know, workstation servers, devices, firewalls. They get tens of millions of events per week. Um, the last time I talked to them, um, their Exabeam system had boiled down those tens of thousands of people and devices and millions of events down to five people that the security center was looking at right now. So I think if you do this right, you basically decrease the noise by 99%. And if you're an analyst in a SOC, you know, going from, hey, we're looking at hundreds or thousands of alerts per day to we're looking at two or three people per week, it really changes, you know, what you do. Absolutely, we were talking about this at ICIT's critical infrastructure forum last week, where uh, one of your um, federal leaders uh, spoke on a panel 
we talked about one of the themes was uh, enablement and how technology needs to enable and empower uh, employees within an organization to be better uh, defenders of their data and their networks. And so this is clearly a, a good example of that. I want to talk a bit about the implementation process. You mentioned that um, there needs to be kind of a baseline of um, network behavior uh, and how uh, an employee behavior um, kind of collected and identified uh, for this technology to work. How long does that take? And is this kind of a resource intensive process? Uh, and is there kind of a long um, kind of a lag time between when you decide to pull the trigger on UBA uh, up until when it actually starts to uh, basically work for your organization? Yeah, so I think um, I'll just preface it by saying pretty much every organization, be it uh, an agency, government agency, or a you know, private commercial organization, um, is suffering from the same thing, which is they can't hire the expertise they need. So if you have any sort of solution that's heavily you know, resource, human resource intensive, um, today, in these days, it's kind of a non-starter. Um, but I think this is an area, so UBA is interesting because this is an area where the advancements in both computing power and machine learning make a big difference. So, you know, I spent a lot of years at ArcSight um, and, you know, we, we, when I roll back and think of that time, we simply couldn't deploy this kind of power. It wasn't available. You just didn't have the notion of machine learning or the algorithms that, that did enough. So you kind of had to manually or a priori um, figure everything out. So it was hugely resource intensive and the, the deployments took a long time. Um, today, the algorithms are really well-defined and compute is like a thousand times cheaper. So, you know, for most of the customers, um, we quite literally will deploy the box, you know, on, in the morning on day one, it starts chunking away, building sessions and baselines. And, um, you know, we've had many cases where by day two or day three, it's starting to produce, you know, real and useful results. And the notion there of this multi-month deployment is just gone. And a great deal of that is due to, you know, what you can rely on the machine learning algorithms to figure out. So, you know, if you think about why the Sims took a long time to roll out, you had to classify everything. So for example, you might say you had to tell it every machine type on the network, you know, is this a server or is this a workstation? Because the rules are different if it's a server or a workstation. And 99% of the organizations just didn't have that data in one good place. We had to manually figure all this stuff out. The machine learning stuff in the UBAs figures that out for you in most of the cases. So things that took, you know, a month of meetings kind of happen overnight, which seems like magic, but um, is one of those areas where it's just advanced beyond, I think what most people expect. So these long deployments are, are just gone in most cases. No, that's fantastic. You know, Rick, um, ICIT helped to introduce user behavior analytics to the Hill um, in the aftermath of the OPM breach. We talked about it in several of our publications uh, when talking about the importance of a multi-layered security strategy and what uh, those layers of security need to be. Um, now, do you have any examples that you can share with us on breach attempts that were stopped or um, when I say stopped, I mean the breach may have happened, but the result of the breach was prevented because the unauthorized access was identified and the um, kind of malicious behavior was uh, stopped prior to successful exfiltration. Are there any kind of concrete examples that you're able to share um, on success stories? Yeah, sure. I'll give you three examples kind of ranging from simple to, to more interesting. Um, the simplest one at one of the financial services customers we had um, actually, during the, the install, the, the proof of concept install, uh, 
uh, the system discovered that a, an, a system admin that had been terminated a month earlier was actually still on the network. And they had, I guess, um, not turned off one of this guy's multiple accounts. And he was still on the network, you know, scoping around, moving laterally and looking at stuff. And so that's kind of a simple case where, hey, you've detected someone who shouldn't be there and they're there. And as a result, they're able to, you know, stop any issues. A second one that's a little more interesting is one of the manufacturing companies, um, an energy company had been um, getting quite a few attacks from another country, kind of nation state attacks um, to steal designs. And um, we put the system in, we said, hey, we discovered that these two systems had been compromised. And they said, yeah, we know that, you know, our, our FireEye system had discovered that. I said, but did you realize that after they left those systems, these other 27 systems had been accessed? And they hadn't realized that because it was a lateral movement off of um, off of where the, the anti-malware system had, had seen it. So that was one where they thought they'd eliminated the hacker in the network, but that hacker had jumped off to other systems and with, with exit being able to determine it and detect it. Um, the third one, which I think is really interesting and actually applies with a bit of a twist to many government agencies, is one of the big retail customers we had um, implemented Exabeam and we alerted them that uh, someone in, in accounting, like an account payable clerk, had connected from the corporate network to the retail network, you know, the in-store network, and had mounted over 1,500 point-of-sale systems. You know, those are, those are basically like Windows systems, right? So they mounted them and they said, no, it's impossible. The two networks are completely blocked off from each other. You need two-factor authentication to get from the corporate network to the retail network. And there's no way someone in accounts payable can do that. Um, eventually we showed that it had happened and that the two-factor auth system was misconfigured and wasn't working. So it's interesting for government because you often have multiple networks that are air-gapped from each other and they're not supposed to be accessed. But you know, if you can find that someone from one has gotten through to the other and you can turn those things off, you know, in this case at the retailer, this, uh, this woman's account, you know, the account payable clerk's account had been hacked. She was on vacation at the time. But you know, without it, a hacker would have been able to steal all this credit card data. So being able to see when people hop across networks is a very interesting one that we're seeing more and more. Well, that's terrific. Yeah, we expect that to increase as, as um, UBA becomes more um, increasingly implemented uh, across different industries and different organizations. So Rick, thanks so much for taking time to talk about this today. I know this is a very uh, a hot topic among security professionals, so I appreciate the time. Me too, Parm.